Folks, do you love movies? The good ones? Even the bad ones everyone told you not to like? It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies, so much so that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts celebrating the 20th anniversary of the cinematic masterpiece Josie and the Pussycats, to comfy sweatshirts made for the brave members of the Movies by Yourself Club. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. And as a special gift to you, listeners can save 10% on their order with code SUPERSKYTALKERS, all caps, no spaces, at checkout. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. Let's watch more movies. Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to this week's episode where we are talking all about the latest episode of The Bad Batch Rescue on Ryloth. And this episode aired on July 16th, 2021, and it was written by Jennifer Corbett and directed by Nathaniel Villanueva. And it was a very fun time. Yes, the part two of our Ryloth adventure is here, and it was great. I really enjoyed it. What did you think of it, Caitlin? Yeah, I had a really great time with this episode. It was good to kind of see the Bad Batch fully integrated into this episode on Ryloth with Hera and seeing them all interact. And of course, the Omega and Hera interactions, I think, really stole the show for this episode. Yeah, they were so good. I think that Vanessa Marshall did such a good job with the voice acting in this episode and the last episode. And I just feel like I could really fully tell that Hera is younger here. It's weird because I feel like that doesn't always happen for voice actors when they age down. But Vanessa Marshall is just amazing and she absolutely killed it. And a lot of people complained last week that we shifted the focus from the Bad Batch and that they hoped that that paid off in the part two. I think it did. For me, it did. We're going to talk all about that. I don't know if it did for you, but I'm excited to hear about it. And I just really enjoyed this episode. I thought, like most Bad Batch episodes, they're always just packed with so many things. Like, so much happens. <laughs> and I'm always like, wow, this episode is always loaded with stuff. And there's always a lot of characters and a lot of interesting developments that are really fun to talk about. So, yeah. Yeah, there's always a lot going on. And yeah. Uh, if you guys haven't listened yet, we actually got to do a roundtable interview with Vanessa Marshall last week. So in between uh, last week's episode and this week's episode. So if you haven't listened to that yet and want to hear us ask Vanessa some questions about playing a younger Hera in uh, Bad Batch, be sure to check that out. Yeah, it was so fun. And yeah. I anytime that I feel like I have a chance to listen to Vanessa Marshall talk about Hera and Star Wars is a good time. So <laughs> I was really thankful for that opportunity. All right. So should we start with our uh, our leading question that is everything to us, which is what was our favorite <laughs> soft and cute moment of the episode? What was yours? 
Uh, mine was definitely I had two. It was Omega and Hera flying the ship together. I just I loved seeing these two interact, and I thought it was a great sequence. I loved Omega being like, "Well, you want to be a pilot? Let's go." <laughs> and then I also loved when Chopper got escorted out with his hands up, like he got caught when he was trying to. Uh, take out the cannons or whatever and he like puts his hands up <laughs> it was really funny <laughs> what was uh, yours right in the beginning when omega was fixing gonky and basically hunter comes behind her and is like you can't fix gonky he's defective and then gonky looks all sad and dejected and it was really sad and i felt really bad for gonky and omega says don't worry we're defective too and it was just so cute and it made my heart break a little bit yeah and i just love the concept of even their droid is a little different on the crew and i was like oh my god i actually really love gonky and i want to see more of gonky i feel like if we get a second season of the bad batch I feel like we're going to get something with that character a little bit. That's just a, a minor prediction. But I think that it's due time for Star Wars to have like a main droid character be a gonk droid. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I'm glad that this droid is a gonk droid on their ship. Gonky is going to be your droid. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. But I, <laughs> I like gonky. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but a gonky plush would actually be really cuddly because it would I be know. so foxy but squishy. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so cute. Actually, I don't know. I, I would love a... I don't have anything with like a gonk droid on it, but I love the trash can vibe. It's just great. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> What's that mean? It's like, I'm still a piece of garbage. <laughs> yeah, that's gonky. That's all gonk droids. <laughs> Gonky actually made that uh, meme. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, I think that moment kind of brought up something that I thought was an interesting direction that the episode took in regards to the Bad Batch that – um, I feel like I kind of saw a different side of the Bad Batch in this episode of of kind of being a little resistant to helping Hera in the beginning. And I thought – I don't know. I I don't think I was necessarily expecting them to kind of push back against – uh, Omega so much in the beginning. And I think that this kind of uh, moment with Gonky kind of started us down that train because I don't think I expected Hunter to kind of be like, well, it doesn't really matter because he's defective. Um, yeah. When Hunter has kind of alluded to the fact that they're all defective before with Omega specifically. So I was actually kind of surprised to hear him um I don't want to say flippantly, but just kind of like in passing, like, oh, there's nothing that can be done about Gonky. Um, I was kind of a little surprised at that tone from him, uh, uh, honestly. And then seeing them have kind of a lot of pushback against Omega wanting to go to Hera in uh, the beginning of the episode. And then when they... Uh, when the plans didn't seem like it was going to work and they were all like, all right, well, <laughs> time to pack it up and go home. And when I was watching it the first time, I was like, oh, I like that just feels it just feels off for them to have this response when I think that some of the other missions that they've been on have really pushed them to kind of and we've seen them kind of go the extra mile even if it's not necessarily a guaranteed payday. And so I was a little surprised at that tone from them. But I think when you're looking at this episode in particular, like the purpose of this episode, I think, is to focus on Omega and Hera's ingenuity and their ability to create this plan and this strategy that pays off. And like they have to have this obstacle 
other than just Hera's parents and like the Bad Batch swooping in and like easily saving the day. And I think that it was necessary in a way for them to have this pushback from the Bad Batch because then the victory becomes Omega and Hera's. And I think that that instills a lot of confidence and like gives them a lot of agency as young female characters, honestly. Um, and so I think I think it it works, but I I was still kind of surprised to see that pushback from the Bad Batch the the first time I was watching the episode. Yeah, I think you're right that the point was like even the Bad Batch crew. I can't remember who says it, but they say something like children always overreact so Kara is probably overreacting and Omega's like no they don't children don't overreact this is a big deal and we need to go help and I think just as you were saying that I was kind of reflecting on each episode and how we've been uh, dealing with missions from Sid and every single episode sort of has this directive and the Bad Batch has a directive about they have to go here to do this, to bring it back, to make money. And we all know that they need money and they need that sort of purpose. And I don't know. They need a lot. We've talked about this, right? But the fact is, is that this is the first time that they've been presented with something that they have to make their full decision on that this is going to be their new directive. And I think it it makes a really big statement that that person that drives that is Omega. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I think this is like a huge moment for the Bad Batch crew that like this is their first mercy mission that isn't tied to to goods, to money or anything else. Like we're not dealing with Sid. I think we've been waiting for this for a long time. And I think it's just really cool that, of course, it happens with Omega being the leader of it all. Right. And I think in and not just the her being the leader, but all this happening from Omega's own kindness. And I think that it, it even pays off in the end when Hera is reunited with her family in the very end of the episode before we flash to Crosshair, where they're saying goodbye and we we see uh, Omega and Hera part. And Hera says, you know what, Tech just taught me how to scramble a ship's signature, which is super cool. And to me, I was like, well, that's really kind. I was, number one, surprised that Tech would even do that. And it also makes me think that this whole thing really was more than just a mission from Sid, which it wasn't, but the whole thing wasn't, you know, get in, get out. It was, how can we help them even more in the future? I wonder if they're going to make contact again. I don't know. It just feels pivotal to me. Like you, in the very beginning, I was a little like bristled at that. But then I remembered that, I, I don't know, that they're they're soldiers and they work from strategic obstacles and, and directives, right? I said the word directives. And I really do think that it, it is also, also all about strategy. Like even with Omega later, when Hera was kind of doubting whether or not they're going to be able to go for it, whether the Bad Batch crew was going to you know, help them uh, even further with like a good plan now that Crosshair was there. And uh, Omega's like, yeah, we're going to help you out because you know this place super well and we're going to let you lead because it's strategic. I just found it a full circle moment for them. Yeah, I loved them kind of putting together this plan. I thought it was really great that you know, like you said, it was like that bristling of like, well, why, why aren't they listening to Omega? Like they, they kind of always listen to Omega. I, I feel anyway, and uh, even when they don't, she's always kind of like her wants and needs are put first in a lot of ways. Um, not when the Bad Batch thinks it's gonna impact her safety, but in other aspects, I think that they do definitely put her first. So, uh, but I loved the whole when they were uh 
giving the plan that they had come up with to the rest of the Bad Batch and all of the other members of the Bad Batch are like asking them questions about it. I think it's Tech who's like, oh, well, where's the control panel? Like not even in like a testing manner of just like, oh, these are the things you have to think through in order to build a good strategy. And like this is what uh, we need to know in order to pull this off. And they had answers for all of them. And I don't know, I just love seeing these like two young girls have this plan this like really kind of elaborate plan and all these like older guys being like all right sounds good like we'll follow your lead (laughs) and I I just I love that actually one of my other favorite moments of the episode like in the cute soft category was when they came back and they're like we're gonna we're gonna like attack the uh the refinery and like the capital and stuff and Riker's like oh that was my plan (laughs) he's like that's what I wanted to do (laughs) I just thought it was uh really cute and I thought it was great too that the plan went back to something that Hera really did know really well like she had been spying on that uh, I guess like I think it was is a refinery on the outskirts of the city like that's what we saw her doing last episode and that's that like comes all the way back around like the thing that Gobi sent her out to do which last week we had kind of been questioning talking about like Gobi and Hera's relationship of like he's just sending out this you know 13 14 year old kid to (laughs) go spy <laughs> what are there ethics there <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um it did kind of come back around and that now Hera had that knowledge in order to inform the uh the crew the bad batch on what the plan was and then even later when they when I, the rest of them finally get to the Sindolas and Gobi's like oh I didn't hire them and they're like Hera hired us and they're all like whoa what <laughs> and I, I thought it was really great and I think we talked a lot last week about this um these two episodes being really pivotal for Hera moving forward. And I think that it is because I think in this episode, we do see her have some of some of these doubts about what they're doing. And we see like a lot of fear from her, even amidst her like action and confidence and stuff. Like when Omega first finds her and is like, no, what you're talking about, like you have strategy and you know Ryloth. Um, Hera is talking to Chopper and she's, she's very scared. And she's like, I don't know what we're going to do. Like I tried, it's them that don't want to help us. Like um, how will we, how will we ever pull this off? I don't know what to do. And then later when uh, Chopper gets caught and their plan get like a wrench gets thrown in their plan, plan and Omega's like all right let's go to the ship and Hera's like my parents would never approve of this even though just yesterday she had been like sneaking around their backs and spying and stuff like that and now suddenly she was like wait I don't know if I'm allowed to do this (laughs) and Omega's like don't worry I won't tell them (laughs) yeah I just think that it's so much so much came from those two young girls and yeah. so much focus was on them and so many seeds were planted in the last episode that like you said came back in this episode even Hera not being able to take off and land the ship because yeah. clearly she was running into things and bumping into things and no idea how to <laughs> how to even start the <laughs> ship and that made for some humor but also some explosions so it was yeah, it was yeah. good because you know it's you needed to see that this is where she started and this is where she goes and um it just felt like a lot of things that were in that past episode were really purposeful and laid for this like really action-packed finale for this two-parter yeah I think you know you talked about at the top of the show that there was a lot of critique about the Bad Batch not being as involved in last week's episode and I think that that I think that's a really fair critique of the episode like it we we haven't talked about it too like it was it was strange that they didn't really appear until like the what is it like the 13 minute mark yeah <laughs> in last week's episode and then 
that's really it for them. I think they have like two mm-hmm. or three minutes on screen. And I think I think there totally could have been room in last week's episode for Hera to have like made the call to the Bad Batch in last week's episode to kind of pull them in a little bit more. Um, I totally think that could have been done. But I think that now that we have the two episodes together, like they fit really nicely together. And I think when people are going back and watching this season as a whole or and even maybe even just like the Hera cut, <laughs> um, it's not going to like it's not going to be as obvious that they're really that like the Bad Batch aren't in that first episode. Like I think it's obvious that they're not in it, but you know what I mean? Like it won't be. Yeah. Like when you're in going week to week, it's like, why would they make that choice? Why wouldn't they be, make them be like the leads in the episode or involved more? And I think those are fine critiques to have. And you and I definitely talked about them too. But I think now that we have both episodes together, um, I didn't find that the Bad Batch were lacking in this episode at all. Yeah. Like if you consider it as like almost an hour long film or something yeah. or an episode of TV, it's not that weird that only 13 minutes into an an hour or I guess like 40 minutes is when the crew comes in because the second half of that they're like in completely you know yeah. so yeah and I'm, I'm totally with you I think that it is a f- fair thing to talk about and I guess it was pretty jarring for us to be sort of discombobulated <laughs> in this new setting of not following the five characters that we've been following this entire time but yeah. I think the payoff in this episode was really worth it um not that I ever thought that it was like bad I actually enjoyed that break and that sort of creative freedom I talked about this last time it felt creatively free I just I feel like it all came together under the umbrella of the Bad Batch and you know I'm really excited actually to look back at the full season once we get you know all the episodes to see sort of the thesis statement, the way that the series kind of operated and to kind of talk that through a little bit because I've been really enjoying these episodes and I think as like a final piece or like a full piece of um, the story of the season one, I'm really excited to kind of look at that en masse. Yeah, no, me too. I'm excited to hear what your favorite episode is of the season. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Every <laughs> single one tops it. This one was really great. It's a, I, I look forward to it every Friday and I'm like, yep, that was a great episode. That's my new favorite. <laughs> and I don't know. None of them really stick out to me as like my major favorite, but this probably these two episodes will probably stick out to me in my memory maybe the most. Yeah, I think I think that's the great thing about being able to go back and look at a season as a whole is to really see all the threads that easily get lost when you're looking at something week to week. And yeah, I'm really excited to see what ends up being like your ranking for the season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'll I'll, pre- I'll present a ranking <laughs> at the very end. Okay. It'll probably start with the finale as my favorite. I just know yeah. myself. Well, that's, so. that's, why we gotta, that's why we gotta wait a couple weeks and yeah. then come back to it because that is what we do every week. We're like, yep, this one, this is it. This is the episode. <laughs> this is it. This is it. Okay, let's talk about the fact that Eleni didn't die. I had a feeling it wasn't going to happen. I think we all braced ourselves because mothers do not have a good track record in Star Wars. We talked about this last week. But I I kind of was like, "Mm, Dave Filoni doesn't necessarily love to kill (laughs) people (laughs) if it doesn't have, you know, emotional significance. Like, I don't know, the Ahsoka of it all. Like, we all thought Ahsoka was going to die at the end of the Clone Wars, and then she didn't. Like, that's the biggest uh, hat trick, almost, of Star Wars animation in a long way. I guess, really, even, like, Ezra at the end of at the end of Rebels. Like, it's the characters that are important. I don't know. Don't always die, right? Yeah. And Tell that and to I, the scene. 
<laughs> yeah. Sorry. And I I mean, it's true. Don't get me wrong. Like yeah. there's there's a lot of characters that die for like man pain or just pain in general. And it, it is frustrating. But I always go back to that Ahsoka example because that was so radical and shocking at the time. I got a feeling that we weren't going to see her die in this episode, at least like a couple of days before. And I was happy that that didn't happen. And I felt like it didn't need to happen because there's still another piece of Hera's story. Like it doesn't, it doesn't all have to be her origin story of how she became a rebel and how she separated from her father for that time period um, in the beginning of Rebels and everything. That doesn't all have to be wrapped up in this two episode Bad Batch arc. Like that can exist in another place. It can be in a story, a television show or a special or a comic or something like that. Like there's a lot of different mediums for Hera's story to continue on. And this doesn't necessarily have to be that. In fact, we can focus more on Hera's own strong relationship with her parents and how that has to do with how that Callie Corey affects her later in in Rebels. And one thing I wanted to bring up was there is a really interesting comment that I think was highly debated in our Patreon Discord about how Omega refers to the Bad Batch as her brothers. And I think we all kind of saw the relationship as more of a father-daughter situation, you know, the dad batch of it all. Uh, but, you know, they are technically her brothers, so it makes sense. They're her brothers, and I think that's how all the clones kind of refer to that, each other, right? So, yeah, that makes sense. It did kind of like flatten me a little bit. And I was like, wow, okay, that's true. But then we got the moment of Hera being like, you're lucky. And I forgot that Hera had a brother who died when he was young. And that's revealed later in Rebels. And that just filled me with so much pain because Hera says, you're lucky. And then they kind of move on. (sighs) Man. And even David Collins on Twitter talked about how the voice actors were given the instruction of most of their lines for this episode to leave a lot of space in between all of the sentences to let them linger to uh you know drive the impact of their words up and i think that there is a lot of silence in this episode uh that like lives between the words and i don't there's a, there's a it's a really good thread i'll link it in the show notes um from david collins who does the sound for the Bad Batch. So thought that was really interesting. I'm really happy that this episode focused on Hera's strong relationship with saving her parents and the fact that she was able to pull it off versus her striking tragedy. Yeah, no, I was very glad that we did not end up having to see her mother die. I think there is there is a whole conversation. And I, while you were talking, I was trying to find the see if I can find the exact quote, but I can't. But it's a, it's Dave talking about character death. And he he is like people uh, think that they want people think that the only way to have like a really dramatic ending is through a character death. And he goes, and I think he said something along the lines of like, but I found that, you know, when that happened, people were just really sad and uh like is that something you have to do and it's and that was the whole conversation with ahsoka and i think it it was it was george who had wanted to like kill ahsoka off and dave was like well you don't actually like we don't actually have to do that like she doesn't have to die and like a character doesn't have to die and i think that it was the right choice that that story was not here in bad batch um, and that, I don't know, it just, it made me really happy that Hera gets to go on to have more time with both of her parents in this really tumultuous time when they're effectively on the run now and have had to flee Ryla. And so it makes me really glad that they get to 
you know, be together for a little longer. Like who knows when when that will eventually come and the circumstances that surround it. But I think it was smart that it was not this circumstance that Hera was able that Hera was basically able to have this really big victory, that it was her plan. Um, it was her call to get the Bad Batch back onto Ryloth, and it was her strategy that ultimately led to their rescue and their safety. And I think that is really important for her character moving forward. Me too. Okay, let's talk about Hauser. Okay. First Hauser. off, Hauser is really hot, and I like how that has spun into this whole hot Hauser thing online. You know, us Hala, as a Star Wars fandom, <laughs> we love hot Callus. We love adding hot to the front of any animated <laughs> character and creating a whole campaign out of it. I don't know. We just love it, right? Yeah. And Hauser is such an interesting character. I am so intrigued. Um, something I thought was really interesting that I wanted to call out was when Crosshair, Hauser, and Rampart are in Rampart's office, when Rampart threatens Crosshair's job, basically this look that happens between Crosshair and Hauser was so interesting to me. There's so many looks that happened in this episode of Crosshair that were just like so much to unpack. Like, I don't really know what to think about it. I I wonder if Crosshair is recognizing that he is replaceable and is replaceable by a quote unquote reg like Hauser. And I don't know. I I don't know what Crosshair thinks of Hauser, especially after what happened later and he witnessed or or what? Like, I don't know. There's so much there. (laughs) Yeah, there's a there's a lot to unpack. I think that, yeah, it was a very interesting look because Rampart is clearly like playing. I I think that it's easy to think that Rampart is an imperial character that is just kind of like he's going to get bested really easily. But I think we're starting to see almost like a little bit more of that Thrawn in him of that, like real intelligence and uh Uh, like threatening that Mm -hmm. he can give off because I think in the first couple episodes we saw him I was like oh he's just like an evil character yeah me too too. I think I said that on the show I was like there we go again with like another stock imperial he's a bad guy and like you know Thrawn is a bad guy too but Thrawn is Thrawn is scary and I don't think we've quite seen that from Rampart yet he is still kind of operating as you know the stock bad guy but I think we're getting touches of it now like a little taste because we see that moment with Crosshair uh, that you just referenced where uh, Rampart is like if you can't get it done someone else will and you see that it's Hauser in the background but then also like a couple of scenes earlier it was uh, Hauser who was like, well, I will go after, I'll go after and search for Hera. And Rampart was like, yeah, no, you're not going to be the one doing that. Because I think that Rampart kind of knows that Hauser, you know, has a bit of a soft spot and has uh, more familiarity with uh, Ryloth and the people on Ryloth. And even in the beginning when Hauser is like, you know, the people are not insurgents, like we don't have any reason to arrest them. And Rampart is like, well, I think you can find a reason. And it's just, it's a little bit more sinister. And uh, it makes me excited. I don't know if it's the right word, but excited to see what he's going to do next. And especially at the end, which we'll, we'll talk about that moment at the end between Crosshair and Rampart. But that was 
the whole setup of that scene was like very dark, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. But one thing I wanted to mention about Hot Hauser is that I hope that one day we will see the emergence of a hot hot hauser uh food item in Lucasfilm because if you remember Hot Callus had a they had like some Lucasfilm picnic or <laughs> Uh, Lucasfilm like feel something that Lucasfilm did where they had like a special menu that had like fun names of like different food items and stuff and Hot Callus was on that menu <laughs> it was like a Hot Pocket type situation yeah like, I, I, maybe while we're talking I'll try to find it but I hope that Hot Hauser gets something like that at some point too <laughs> Same. I don't know. I just found his character so interesting that we talked about this last time about how he really represents this sort of gray here about, you know, we remove the conversation about the inhibitor chip and we get this really interesting examination about what happens when a clone who was stationed on a world for years and fought beside them is now asked to do the complete opposite. But those people aren't Jedi. And what happens then? And this is exactly what happens. And I'm so worried for his safety and what happens next and everything. And I I don't know if we're ever going to see him again, but I do wonder if witnessing that awakens something inside of Crosshair or even just witnessing it makes him realize that he is just another cog in the machine. And I, I don't know. I just, I find it really um, hopeful to think that uh, clone commanders perhaps everywhere are questioning things when they don't have anything to do with the Jedi, right? Where they more have everything to do with the Empire. And I am, you know, not super well versed in some of, you know, clone canon, I guess, that happens after this. But I don't think we have a clear answer about what happens to the clone army from now until the Empire or the Empire until the sequel trilogy. And I think that the show's job is to kind of fill in those gaps and to give us answers about how the stormtroopers become the stormtroopers and how is that different from the clone troopers. And if they're made up of some or not all or none at all, it'll be such an interesting thing to explore. And it continues to be because just this character that we met last episode has captivated us so much about his own decisions and what it means for Ryloth. And I'm really excited to see more of this conversation. And if we get Hauser again, that would be great. If we don't, let's see some more clones who are thinking the same way. And that way it can open us up to not just think about like, is the chip on? Is the chip off? What is is the chip inside of him? Is it not? Like, that's kind of boring. Like I said that last time where it just is kind of black and white where it doesn't need to be, right? Because in the whole conversation of free will, I don't know, like... It, the chip is this, this, I hate to say this, but it is an inhibitor to talk about <laughs> these things of dark and light, good and bad. Um, and and it, it can just be part of the conversation. It doesn't have to be the whole conversation, you know? Well, I think it's important to see that there was this group of clones on Ryloth, at least, that took a step back and like questioned. And I think we probably can assume that the chip is still in them. I, I don't know. But what I was really interested in and what I expected to happen is that moment at the end when Hauser basically decides to go in on his own and he gives uh, the Sandolas and the Bad Batch the, like, the car keys to the escape pod and you just see him basically like standing in front of the 
the door by himself that we know that Crosshair is on the other side of with all the other clones with their blasters pointed at them. And Hunter turns around and like looks back at Hauser having this like really quiet moment with himself of like the choice that he's made basically. And that the fact that it could lead to his death and it really made, I don't know. I, I, one, I thought it was a beautiful moment, but then also I wondered why Hunter or anyone else in the bad batch didn't bring up the chip to Hauser. I don't know. I, I guess I kind of expected them to say something about it to be like, you need to be careful because this could happen to you. We've seen like, because now I'm over here wondering, like, okay, because last week we were talking about if, okay, maybe the reason that uh, none of the clones on Ryloth seem like they're um, the same kind of uh, controlled, like the regs that we saw in the first couple episodes on Kamino, maybe it's because there were no Jedi on Ryloth when Order 66 was enacted. And so it just, like, nothing changed for them in that regard. Um so now I'm wondering, like, could there could Rampart then like order their chips to be turned up to a hundred the same way that they did for Crosshair if they still have the chips? Like, I I totally agree with you in that the the chips do become an inhibitor to talking about this question of free will. But I think I almost thought that Hunter would say something to Hauser about it, and that this would then start this kind of like underground revolution of like mm-hmm. clones secretly getting their chips removed mm. um, without the Empire knowing. That was like immediately where my head went. As soon as he started, ha- like, as soon as we started seeing Hauser have uh, this kind of uh, come to Jesus about what he was doing on Ryloth and, like, what, where his loyalties, the side that he was on, I think is how they phrase it in the show. And so I was really surprised that Hunter didn't, and no one else in the Bad Batch said anything about the chips. Um, yeah. What did you think yeah. about that? I think that's really interesting. And I wish that that happened, your whole idea about, like, an underground uprising. Yeah. But- I think this goes back to my earlier point about how this was the first time that the Bad Batch didn't have a directive from someone else about their mission. And I just don't think that's where their heads were. And I feel like there's a couple of like balls in the air with regards to where what the Bad Batch's future is. Like, is it helping in the rebellion? Is it doing mercy missions? Is it saving Omega? Is it helping uh, kind of going on the same path as as Rex and informing people about the chips in their heads and i don't know if like that if they're there yet if they're there that last one that i mentioned Mm. and i think that they should be (laughs) but i don't think that that's what this entire you know two episode arc was actually about i think it was more about helping someone who is the beginning of a rebellion and aligning themselves with that versus aligning themselves with an exchange of goods and services and I I feel like it would have been a good moment and I think it would have um I would have liked to see that like you mentioned but I just don't think that that was the focus and I think that there's still time for that to be the focus like this is just the first clone that we've seen that we've never met before that now we have that we know like has this ability you know what I mean um to recognize what is good and what is bad it's not like I ever doubted that but I just don't think we've ever seen a story like this before and now we see that so we know that there are clones out there who are receptive to these kind of conversations and maybe that will be the catalyst who knows i don't know i think that there's more time for that i don't think it's like a matter of do the clones know like the difference between right and wrong because i think they do and i think that they always have and we definitely see this come up throughout clone wars especially like in the like the the 
big examples like the Ambara arc and uh, Jedi Master Krell and uh, the clones like point out how like problematic he is. That's like a light way of putting it and how he's like, okay to risk the clones lives and doesn't really see them as human and this whole thing. It's like, I think it's more like the clones being willing to go against their directives and their uh, kind of set purpose and that that is like that I think is the big thing with Hauser is that he like put his weapon down effectively um, in like rebellion against a direct order and like tried to lead others to come with him because we've seen, you know, like cut, right. He, he just kind of went off on his own and that didn't exactly create like waves throughout the clone army, but something that like what Hauser is doing, that feels like a much bigger impact. And it seems um, really big that he would go against the the people who he like, I think throughout this episode, you see Hauser, like he's starting to question what the empire is doing because probably up until that point, he was like, all right, well, like, you know, he believes that like what like the Jedi were wrong and that it was necessary to go and hunt them and like kill them and stuff. Like I'm sure that's what he's been told and that's what he believes. And they're like, okay, now it's time to follow the Empire. But then they start making these decisions and calls that Rampart is doing, and it's like, wait a second, like this is I know that I didn't sign up for this because I was made for this purpose, but what we're doing is wrong. And I think you're right that like the um it's not the time like that's not the focus right now of this story about the chips, but I do hope it comes back around and that there's almost this reconciliation is not the right word, but um, more of this relationship between the Bad Batch and the regular clones that they come across because their relationship was very antagonistic in the first couple of episodes, right? I mean, the literal lunch table fight, <laughs> iconic, <laughs> um, but it's like I, I want to see, I don't know, more of an understanding between all of these different types of clones. And I hope that the Bad Badge, like maybe part of their purpose becomes like uh, truly liberating other clones so that they yeah. can make their own choices. And I think you're right that that will come back around. I, I do. I wish we had seen it this time because I think Hauser would totally have been the person to start spearheading that. Like that feels like right up his alley. But yeah, I think you're right that it will come back around in the future. I really hope so because I think it's important. And I think I think that could be really integral to who the Bad Batch are moving forward, honestly. We talk so much about what path they're going to take. Are they going to join the Rebellion? Are they going to follow Rex? Are they going to end up on a planet like Cut and his family just taking care of Omega and like living out their days? And while I would love to see them take that route, honestly, at least like just Hunter and Omega, I don't really think they will. And I, I almost think that like this thing of like doing these covert missions to help uh, take chips out of clones that I feel like that actually could be a really good route for them in the end. I totally agree. I think it would be, I would love to see it. And I think that that would mean them meeting up with Rex again. And I, yeah. I think it would be really cool. We've talked about this. I think it would be great. And the truth is, is that they spent basically the first half of the series with the impending doom of the chip. Right. And that was dealt with in the half of the series. And I think we were all kind of like, whoa, that was fast. They did that, <laughs> you know? And so I feel like that has to come back around because it was a major plot point. It was a major thing that they were alluding to and foreshadowing. So yeah, I hope it, I definitely hope it comes back around. 
All right. Also, one just like random thing I wanted to mention is that uh, Rampart has Melu Runfruit in his office, and <laughs> I just always love to see uh, Melu Runfruit come back around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great. And one other random, uh, if you're gonna say a random thing, I'm gonna say a random thing too. I thought it was kind of cool that we finally saw Hunter use his sort of electromagnetic tracking skills. I feel like Hunter's talent <laughs> within the Bad Batch is a little. Um, harder to deduce than the others and you know i think they talked about it in that first arc of the bad batch in in the clone wars Wars, but they never really came back around on it so it was kind of cool to see him fully detect that probe droid and take it out completely because i was like i don't know it reminded me that he had a like a special talent and i kind of completely forgot that his talent was different than just being the leader you know (laughs) yeah no i agree (laughs) yeah it was was nice Yeah. yeah All right, let's let's talk about crosshair at the end of this episode because what I, I I literally have no idea what to make of this little scene at the end, almost like a little epilogue at the end. It of was this so episode. weird. It was so weird. It, the energy. It was so weird. What was the energy? I don't know because his face was so strange. I think that there's you know there's a lot of debate going on right now on the in the online world world about the blast that happened on. Braca, whether or not that like hit his chip or something in his head and we've talked about that before and i don't know i just feel like i have no idea which side he's going to be on now like even more so than i ever felt before like i think there's a really big story to tell with crosshair the creators are clearly excited about crosshair's journey and that's something that we're going to get and i just feel like this end moment really had me on the edge of my seat first off the music was so eerie the conversation i'm gonna read the text okay the text is if only they were fighting for us instead of against us when that's what rampart says in reference to the bad batch and there's a pause and then crosshair says requesting permission to hunt them down and then obviously rampart says granted and I think it's interesting. Okay, so hunt them down. Is he really going to hunt them down? Or is he just going to contact them again? Because what the heck is this end look? Is he thinking about what just happened with Hauser? Is he thinking about all his failures? Is he thinking about how he's replaceable? That earlier conversation in Rampart's office where a reg walks in and he's like, what's my purpose here? Because I, I keep quote unquote failing them. I couldn't even find Hera and her family. And what is my purpose here? I don't know what's going on because clearly the Bad Batch is, you know, killing it and like getting away and is on the run and is five steps ahead of the Empire and they cannot nail them down. So it's just, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Do you have any thoughts, any theories, any concerns? I I mean, I have a lot of concerns. (laughs) (laughs) So many concerns. (laughs) I, I have no idea what to make of this. Uh, scene because when the scene itself is quite dark I think the way that it's the colors in it are dark the music is very eerie Rampart is talking in his very very evil voice and uh, so is Crosshair in the beginning and if it hadn't been for Crosshair's look at the end I would have been like yeah he's he's going to hunt them down and like his aim is to kill the Bad Batch but the look on his face at the end of the episode was so interesting i literally don't know what to make of it it didn't look sinister like if you compare the scowl that crosshair gives uh hauser in that scene we keep talking about compared to his look here it's completely different it's very different it's very different and i know 
that that's not an accident. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and it just it it doesn't it doesn't look sinister. It, it almost looks like it. I don't know. It just it it's a question mark. And perhaps that's kind of where Crosshair's mind is right now. It's also a question mark. But maybe he realizes that he just needs to get to the Bad Batch to have answers. Or or maybe it is like the situation that we've seen with a lot of our other, you know, evil characters, our villains of, um, you know, fulfilling this mission of like cutting off the people that know them the best and thinking that that is going to fulfill them when it doesn't. And I wonder if Crosshair is kind of on a similar journey right now of thinking that if he fulfills this mission, like I think perhaps this episode kind of started that question mark in his mind of, wait a second, like I'm literally the best at what I do. You're telling me you're going to have Hauser go after them or like the fact that Mm -hmm. I can't catch them or I'm seeing Hauser and the other regs put down their weapons and make a different choice. Um, like the good soldiers follow orders situation. Like that is effectively what the bad batch should at the beginning of the season and crosshair didn't agree with that. Have his opinions changed now? Maybe this is all like starting to form in his head and he, but it's kind of like, no, 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 no. I still, I just, I need to go after them and, uh, you know, finish this mission of taking them out or bringing them back to Camino, whatever it is. But I think maybe that's, it's like the, the seed has been planted in him, I guess. I don't know. Totally but agree. Is that a sprout look, like he's that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's just something that's. Um, I wouldn't say his his expression was expressionless. It was just confusing, yeah. and. I was just thinking as you were talking about how I foresee the end of this series. And I think I've said a couple times, I just week after week, I just really honestly never know where it's going to go. But I was thinking about how often Omega is in some ways the question mark character and for a lot of people, the MacGuffin of their own plot, right? And how Crosshair is also that question mark character about like, is he ever going to come home? And Omega is being hunted. And I just wouldn't be surprised if the, I mean, I would be surprised because I think it would floor me. Okay. (laughs) But if the finale had Crosshair in one storyline returning back to the Bad Batch while Omega is being taken by another party, maybe the Empire, maybe the bounty Mm -hmm. hunters who are after them. And then we have, because I think the show has played with the fact that Omega has used a lot of Crosshair's like former stuff that's on the Marauder. And in some ways, Omega has kind of taken the place of Crosshair in the Bad Batch. And while she's her own person and is anew and brings a whole new dynamic to the crew, they they do talk about that. They, They reference it a lot, right? And I think that it just would make sense that when Crosshair comes home, then Omega is removed. And that sort of drama is on, like, the the entire crew then now has to work for whatever just happened. And I don't know what would just happen, but I, I could see them switching places again and it being like, oh, my God, not again. Like, can they all just get back together again, you know? 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good theory. I think that we're going to see, like you said, this uh, with Omega, like kind of taking over Crosshair's space and his like physical stuff in the on the Marauder. I think this is all going to come back around. And I think it actually plays really well into the themes that were present here in this episode with Hera and her family. Because in the beginning of the season, we have Hunter make the comment of like, like we know that Hunter feels a lot of guilt uh, oh, and a lot of burden over what happened with Crosshair. And they make a couple comments to the effect of like, he's still one of us. And we've kind of seen that really tested throughout the season, especially, you know, everything that happens with Cad Bane and like that whole sequence um, or that whole series of episodes. And even Omega, who had kind of been the biggest Crosshair supporter, was like, Crosshair wouldn't really do this to us when they're like turning on the engine and stuff. And she's the one in this episode that's like, Crosshair's here, like, oh no. And they're all like, great, great, great. This is bad. This is bad, you know. But I think that through that like whole moment with Omega and Hera in this episode of Omega being like, Hera's just trying to like save her family. Like, I would do the same for you. I think that is going to come back around and it's going to be this reckoning of like, Crosshair is still a part of our family even though this thing has happened and we still need to try to reach him until, you know, the very bitter end kind of thing. Yeah. And Omega has been a huge proponent in saying that from the very beginning. Yeah. And so I think it would be the, a really good cliffhanger for season two. And like the utmost tragedy is if those two switch places and yeah. I don't know, I'm, that was the f- this, that, this to me is like the first time that I can sort of visualize something like that happening in the yeah. show um because I don't really come to the show with like a lot of theories just because I still sort of feel unfamiliar like in unfamiliar territory with a show that's fully focused on clones like I'm still trying to find my footing you know and I don't know if you feel that way but I sometimes feel that way about like I usually I feel like I identify more with like the Jedi characters the force sensitive characters and for this one it's really a a I'm really enjoying it. I'm not saying that. It's just a whole different type of discussion about free will. And those are the type type of discussions that I really love having. And um, I'm just really intrigued to see how this large cast of characters is all going to kind of shake out by the end of the finale. Like what's, what, how are the stakes going to change and how am I going to (laughs) be, how are my heartstrings going to pull (laughs) even harder than they are, I guess right now? Because they've been really pulling some major punches with these episodes. I mean, are your heartstrings going to be cut by the end of the episode? Basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're really thin right now. They're really yeah. thin. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of my original theories, if you remember, for this season was that it would come down to uh, the Bad Batch basically having to make the choice between Crosshair and Omega. Yeah. And- I, I still it was like I kind of lost that theory because you're right like for a while there in the middle like w- when we were talking about crossers like quote-unquote redemption um we've very much been of the opinion or the theory I guess that like Crosser very well could not have his chip in and still be choosing to side with the empire and that is still a function of his free will and he can still come back from like he can still be quote-unquote redeemed from that um if he doesn't have the chip in right and mm-hmm. I think that but like this look at the end kind of threw that whole theory on its head I think uh but yeah I think that would be a really interesting theory to see them like switched places at the end and that now they all and I guess then they would have to put and if if Crosshair has uh, had a change of heart that the Bad Batch would then have to trust Crosshair uh to help them get Omega back and that it wasn't all just a really big trap for all of them 
Yes. And I just want to say one more thing about Crosshair's potential redemption arc. I think it's really important for Star Wars to actually show a, you know, a long form redemption arc of a character who isn't force sensitive because there's a component to force sensitivity or being a Jedi or a darksider where, you know, yes, the, um, the loved one of the person that is redeemed loves them. So they return back to the light for themselves. Right. Um, Or by themselves. But there's also that component of like the light forgives them and the force grants them the ability to transform into the force or something like that. Right. There's a, there's the force element of you are forgiven and there you go. But with, crosshair there's no force sensitivity there there's no spiritual otherness right there is just the choice between bad and good and i think it's important to show that in this group setting that perhaps every single one of them could forgive crosshair and let him back into it and that for me is a really good symbol of hope which is ultimately what star wars is all about and i think that it really does make sense for them to explore that. And it fe- it would feel different than the redemption arcs that we've seen often in Star Wars, but maybe not often enough, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, the callous of it all. Yes, yes, that's true, that's true. Yeah, so yeah, no, we totally agree. It, it's something that this would be a good place to have it uh, within yeah. Bad Batch. I think it would... It would the the theme would work especially well with the idea of the clones and the whole free will of it all and the personal choice and choosing a different path like all of that would it would be really meta coming from a story focused on clones who were created and controlled for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't. I never want to lose sight of that. Yeah, because I think that that's the underlying. Um, story that's here in the Bad Batch. And we just cannot forget that these are people who broke free of their created purpose. And what does that mean? You know, and I think that that's it's totally fair for these characters to stumble and figure it out and have different um, definitions of what that means to be free. You know, I I just I I don't want to ever lose sight of that. Yeah, no, I definitely don't either. All right. Well, is there anything else we want to bring up about this episode? I don't think so. It was great. A plus. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's maybe at the top of Charlotte's list. Who's to say? Who knows? <laughs> Does the list even exist? I don't know. The biggest mystery of the season. It's not where's Omega from. It's not Crosshair's fate. It's Charlotte's episode list. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, let us know online. You can find us on Twitter at SkytalkersPod or our personal handles. Charlotte's is at Clarity and mine is at Caitlin and Plusher. We also have our website, skytalkers.com, our Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok account. You can find us on all of those platforms. Uh, We do also have our new merchandise that is up on our uh, website now. I've already seen a couple of people get their orders in with the new Skytalkers logo on shirts and tote bags and stuff like that, which is so much fun to see. So if you're interested, our website is the place to check all of that out. Um, And if you have not left us a review yet on iTunes and would like to, it would really help us out and help other people find the show. And if you're interested in other ways to support the show, you can head on over to our Patreon, check out our reward tiers there, find out ways to get involved in our Discord community. We just put up an episode actually all about Loki 
Loki season one, which um, we only have two episodes that are non-Star Wars on our Patreon feed, and that is about WandaVision and Loki. So if you were interested in our thoughts on Loki, that is the place to hear them. And uh, we also have a really, a really interesting episode coming out on Patreon very shortly, too. It's a bit of a mystery episode, if you will. So look forward yes. to that. <laughs> um, just as a little teaser, it's an episode that Charlotte planned completely on her own and did not tell me about until we started recording. So I came in completely blind, which has literally never happened to me before in the five years we've done this show. And (laughs) anyway, so that will be uploaded on Patreon very shortly too. So anyway, if you're interested in any of that uh, fun content, you can head on over to our Patreon and yeah, I think that I think that's all of our our housekeeping closing notes. <laughs> yes, I think that's it. And just like Caitlin said, I'm excited to release that mystery episode on Patreon. I'll do that soon. It's already edited and everything. Um, and I want to say a huge thank you to these patrons: Christopher, Theo Pio, King, Jackson, Mike, Joey, Alex, B, Bailey, Brandon, Brendan, Bridget, Debo, Derek, Diana, Dylan. Emma, Eric, Fifi, and Froppy. Thank you so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Yes, thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you.